Hey, how's it going? I'm Kaushik Nagarajan, a sinner saved by grace and the host of the Incongruent Thoughts podcast, where we try to understand diametrically opposed views and ideas in order to reconcile them for the benefit of anyone with ears to hear. Joining us today is Jeffrey George, who is a polymer engineer working in Chicago, Illinois. We did our undergrad in the same university and were part of the same campus fellowship. Jeffrey is passionate about the local church and making Jesus famous. On this episode we dissect the phrase Christianese. Quick disclaimer, this episode is from the perspective of biblical Christians. If that's not you, you are still welcome to listen in and ask questions. Hey Jeffrey, welcome uh, to the podcast. It's great to have you on. How are you feeling today? Good, man. Good to finally be on. It's pretty amazing to see that you're going to be the Joe Rogan of uh, Christian podcast. So <laughs> I see that you're trying to elevate yourself to that level. So excited! Yeah, my hair is also balding, so probably will get there soon. Well, you got a bit of time. What Joe Rogan's what forty, forty-five, or maybe older than that. So yeah, you got time. Awesome. So today we're going to talk about uh, Christianese, and this might be a phrase which people have not heard about. but it's been used in media here and there and uh, even though the phrase might not be a common word uh, i think the practice though is very common or too common so let's uh, shed some light on that so let me go ahead and give the wikipedia definition of it and then maybe you can explain it in layman's term so christianese is characterized by the use in everyday conversation of certain words theological terms puns and catchphrases in ways that may be only comprehensible within the context of a particular christian sect or denomination the terms used do not necessarily come from the bible itself they may have come into use through discussions about doctrine through the social history of the christian church at large or in the unique history of a specific denomination or movement Yeah, so that's the uh, textbook <laughs> definition. It sounds like you spoke some Christianese right there. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why don't you uh, maybe break it down? Yeah, well, I think I think like you said that's a very textbook way of uh defining Christianese. I think it's a good place to start here that we as humankind we like we're very clickish by nature we like um interacting with people who look like us who talk like us and this is not something new for christian circles as well right and that is where you find the language christianese right it's an insider language it's a jargon it's 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 a it's a dialect right you go from you, if you go to different uh christian circles be it different denominations or different um countries whatever you find different christianese languages spoken there different christianese dialects right and uh christianese like you said from the textbook definition it is um it can it can refer to lofty theological abstract ideas that are beautiful that come from scripture or it can also refer to like christian phrases that we use like hedge of protection and travel mercies right so yeah i mean i think these are words or phrases or sentences that we use within christian circles and uh, it's it's just a language that we use um in order to communicate about these kind of topics so yeah that's that's what christianese is yeah perfect so you you sort of uh, started off with what i wanted to ask next which is maybe some examples of christianese so that people can you know <laughs> recollect maybe instances where they've used themselves and uh 
one thing that comes to my mind is uh phrases which maybe only uh christians understand like theological positions you know are you free yeah. trip or post trip are you <laughs> or in some circles are you supra or infra right and uh things like that so even over here i think we would have lost a lot of people following us uh so that is something and uh something else were other phrases not theological but like used in christian circles like like you are mentioning now yeah i mean again it differs from you know the kind of spaces that you may have been brought up in like i'm i'm probably a fourth generation christian household meaning that i'm the fourth generation of believer um so yeah i mean it just grows with tradition like the deeper the tradition goes within uh a denomination or a christian tradition it is like these languages get developed and i'm trying to think like what are the more common i i think what's most common among from where i've been brought up is more the uh lofty abstract theological ideas rather than just you know christian phrases that we use uh i think that's what i've been more used to in growing up and i see that's my bent right i always like when i hear christian phrases i always i think again this has to like we are very sectarian right we we like our own sex and stuff so uh i think for me i've never seen myself engage with a lot of the christian phrases as much but more on the i err on the other side where it's very lofty theological uh, abstract ideas which yeah which is where i've seen myself Like you. So, for example, like you said, Trinity, right? Or justification by faith, or sanctification, or <sighs> hypostatic union. It's like these are these are big words that we use to explain uh, such deep theological things that we see in Scripture, right? Scripture don't don't contain these words. Most of these words are not contained by Scripture, but they are helpful terminology that we use to explain beautiful things we see in Scripture. Yeah. So our discussion is going to be focused on maybe the uh, negative aspects of Christianese and and maybe how to be cautious when using it and sure. the right scenarios to use it but before we start off we should probably give a balanced view and probably talk about the needs or the the good advantages of having you know Christian lingo so it is a neutral thing but it can it can be used and abused so probably one of the benefits is just as you told you know it's these are like maybe short phrases which which can contain really tremendous truth in them beautiful theological uh, concepts and you can convey these meanings with just maybe one or two phrases and everything is loaded in them and that is useful and that is sort of how even language and vocabulary works you can say that oh he uses vocabulary just to show off but it might also be that there is something that this peculiar word conveys which it just doesn't have the same meaning when you use it in simpler terms so that that's something that i think is maybe a benefit of having christianese oh yeah i i agree and i think like like you said it's it's we have developed terminologies over over the course of 2000 years like from the first century church we have developed terminologies that's helpful right that is um that helps us like contain these wonderful complex ideas under these like very short terms that we we may use like some of them that we said trinity or hypostatic union or or, or it's it's just these beautiful complex layered truths that we see in scripture that we contain them under these terms and these terminologies and um yeah there is a wonderful beautiful way that we can you know speak christianese i i know for myself there is a way that i love geeking out with my christian friends about these wonderful 
broad complex ideas and uh, i know that you have been one of those people as well where we have had these kind of discussions um and it's beautiful like i i know that you would admit as well there is a way that we are i think there's a beautiful way we are humbled by the reality of who god is and and what he has done in the redemption story that we see in scripture and how complex these things are right and i think there's a beautiful way that we are able to speak about these things but at the same time like you said christianese can also become a crutch it can also be negative as well and i think that's what we're going to touch on like how we get trapped in just speaking christianese exactly like most things that are you know there's a way to use it and there's a place to use it uh, just to talk about maybe wh- why we end up with this thing and where it can cause issues is the aspect that we like forming our own cliques you know our own sects and our own groups our own tribe so we still have that and the issue is that that is not really compatible with christian living and the biblical law examples laid out why don't you probably elaborate on that so i think what you're touching on there is the idea that we are all cliquish by nature we like our own tribes and as we mentioned before like each christian group has their own dialects right they may be describing beautiful things about scripture but in their own words right each uh denomination or each tradition may have strengths and weaknesses but again they use i mean there is a culture that forms within these traditions as well and they use that as culture is the words that they develop to convey these ideas so if you take two different people like i know your background is very different to mine right and there have been definitely ways that i've noticed you speaking in certain you using certain words or uh languages that is very foreign to me from my christianese speaking culture does that make sense it can be so but that's the thing i think there should be a level of humility uh recognizing that we are all people who have the privilege of being in the kingdom of god i think there is a way that we may elevate our cliques and our tribes to a position where that nobody else is welcome into that space if someone does not talk like me or does not sound like me or does not speak christianese in the same way that i speak therefore i will shut the door on them or they are not invited into my group of friends so i think that was something that i went through for a while i think i would say so but i think probably coming into an itc where we both did our undergrad i think that was a beautiful space where i was just you know learned that wow everybody has their own experience as well as far as what their uh what it meant for them to see Jesus and meet Jesus and embrace him and um the way that they convey their ideas are going to be different to how I convey them so i think that was a wonderful space where slowly i started unlearning a lot of the you know things that i hold on to very tightly and say that you know uh, i'm not allowing these people into my space but i think that is also um probably happened in our friendship as well where we learned to communicate well these ideas Yeah. And the thing is that when you when we continue to have this kind of a sectarian mentality or uh we also inevitably or maybe not consciously but subconsciously we put up a facade of spirituality. So we consider ourselves more spiritual. Right. You know there's there's this phrase you worship God your way, I'll worship God his. Right. His way. So that can stem out of, you know, these uh, small small ways in which you speak and communicate with people. coming from other uh, backgrounds and other faiths so we we cut off people who are uh, not part of the we'll say the covenant community or the church community at large so this is like uh, irrespective of whether they are actually believers but we you know we just want to narrow it down to just groups that are just like us mm-hmm. 
and we can probably dwell a little more on why that's very wrong and that has to do with how the how the gospel is uh, you know presented to all the world right and the great commission is that we go and make disciples of all nations and also that we would be witnesses in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and to the end of the earth the gospel is uh, it's outgrowing and it's not coming into a small uh, national tribe but it is mm-hmm. stemming out of that into the whole world and the the message that you know these things that we use these lofty terms to describe these facts are supposed to be shared with all nations all tribes and all tongues yeah i think you i think you're touching on a couple of things there um one being the spiritual maturity aspect of it and the other side being the evangelism aspect of it so um let's look at spiritual maturity for a second like one of the things i've learned in my time as growing as a christian is that theology or the study of god is meant to be lived out that it is meant to be lived out it's not meant to be locked up in this high stratosphere of where you know where we have these lofty abstract theological conversations but no it is meant to be grounded in our lives right god's word has implications for our lives but that's the thing what i've noticed is that sometimes we fall i've seen i've seen this in my own life we get so locked in the intellectual high of these lofty abstract theological conversations that we mistake the high itself for spiritual maturity right rather than the discipline of working this beautiful theology into our lives right um and i i've seen that in my life so many places where sometimes i judge a person for not being able to have these kind of conversations and mistaking that for spiritual maturity right um it it is interesting that somehow the one who's most spiritually mature is the one who's able to abstract these lofty ideas that's what we call spiritual maturity in other words that they have to speak christianese in order to be spiritually mature but when we look at christ right when we look at christ and when we look at the two greatest commandments that he gives us right he says love god and love your neighbor right and one of the beautiful things i've seen is that although that i might be very theologically affluent and i can articulate like beautiful things about god i've noticed that in my own life that i have seen christians who may not be able to theologically articulate these things as well as i might be able to but the way that they love god as well as the the way that they love their neighbor is incredible in fact i would say that they are much more spiritually mature than i am right but it's not a dichotomy it's not something separate i do believe that when you know deeper theology you should be able to love god and love your neighbor better it goes hand in hand if one fuels the other right we don't separate the other does that make sense what do you think have you seen that in your circles or you know in in your own heart as well have you encountered that as well yeah um i definitely have the thing is when you're the only one who knows these lofty ideas it's mm. it doesn't work out because you need someone to acknowledge that this guy knows something <laughs> yeah so if you're just sitting around with a group of people who none of them understand then no one's going to acknowledge that you know something so so you know there are these uh, unspoken things that people think about i mean when you speak also and and most of the time even when we think before we speak it's not because we want to be sensitive or loving to others we just want to say the right things polished way exactly and- <laughs> yeah yeah because we believe that too like when we try to sound smart or intellectually very superior we we try all the words because we ourselves we in some way that spiritually mature spiritual maturity is the ability to speak christianese right we want to portray ourselves that way i think that's probably a very um 
that's a false belief sometimes can be extremely destructive to the life of you know christians around us as well yeah so let's talk a little bit about uh our language and and why the important thing about language is it's not in how you present it but it is more whether it's being understood because communication is only when the information is understood it's not just spoken in a good way uh, with less noise but at the same time it's received with less noise and also it's able to be understood interpreted right and uh, this has nothing to do with the gospel but there's something called the uh, feynman technique and uh, basically what it says is if you have a concept to learn a concept so this is if you're studying something you should be able to know it and learn it properly choose the concept and you should be able to explain it to a toddler so you should be able to explain it in simple terms that that person can understand maybe a 5 year old or whatever and if you're not able to explain it go back study it because you probably not understood the concept yourself that well because if you really know something end to end and it's not there are no black boxes in between then you should be able to explain it to someone even someone who's you know very young but if you're still going to rely on you know just some things which which are not fully understood by you then it just shows that you yourself have not grasped that reality and i think that that goes here too you know you we say things and uh, and we have a feeling of accomplishment that you know we have spoken things but seldom do we wait and see or try to follow up on whether it's being received properly on the other end yeah i think you're touching on evangelism right i mean it's it's the it's our commission to go and preach the gospel right and that's the thing sometimes we get so comfortable in in our cliques and our tribes that we lose the ability to speak in layman's terms of the beautiful truth that scripture i was reading a book recently and it was it was beautiful how uh, one author put this that uh scripture is shallow enough for what's the what's the smallest animal that we know <laughs> i forgot the animal that he used but it is it is shallow enough for oh let's let's say a toddler to to swim in but it's deep enough for a elephant to go swimming i i probably okay, botched yeah. up that that uh, that uh that quote but no, but it makes sense yeah yeah so it, it it is beautiful that we need to be able to articulate our believes right peter says that we need to present a defense to our faith right and a part of that is cultivating that ability to speak in layman's terms right what is the point of that the point of that is again like within church we can form cliques like there might be people who are very theologically affluent who knows all the right terms who, who are part of that small group right but again the church is not made up of just theologically affluent people there are people who are young in the faith who have no idea what these things mean but loves jesus loves god loves the church and who are attending but that's the thing we get so comfortable in these spaces that we forget that we need to we are also tasked with the responsibility of coming alongside each other and helping the young christian grow right or in the other aspect like we talked about evangelism it's that's where we go and talk to someone who has no idea about the things of god right god's word is not just for the christian it's also for those who have never heard about god right and it is a responsibility that jesus gives a responsibility to his disciples to take god's word and take it to those who do not know christ right can you imagine us taking such lofty ideas like such big terms such as justification by faith or sanctification like we don't even break it down and we just say hey you need to be justified by faith in order to see the beautiful theology of trinity you need to embrace it which are all absolutely true but the person like you said the person has no categories they have no mental faculties they have they have not been exposed to this in any way shape or form 
right? And that's why I'm saying that we we sometimes get so locked into this uh, space of where we just have theological conversations of with such big terminologies, right? That we forget to speak in layman's terms. Yeah. And what you've just highlighted here is is actually the hard thing that Bible translators have to go through, you know, because they have to convert these truths from the Bible into languages in some cases where there's no even written script for those languages. And not only that, try to explain these phrases and they may not have a single phrase for that. And in those instances, uh, we're going to touch up on this, but because words, they make sense only when it's understood maybe in the context of a story Absolutely. or in an action yeah. and things like that. And that's the thing about the Christian faith is that our message is not in, we don't idolize one language over the other, mm-hmm. uh, unless you're a KJV only. <laughs> but uh, so it is important that the Bible is the word of God and uh, the message is for all in all languages. And that's different from some other sacred texts where it's very important to recite it in the original language and chant it out and things like that. We don't right. do that uh, yeah, in the Christian faith. And that is not a, a useless pursuit. It is an important one because unless the word is understood, then only it bears much fruit, you know. Right. You can do it and many times I'm guilty of that too. I I just say things and do things and I feel like, okay, I've done my part. I've right. shared with this person when, when in reality that person might not have understood much. So we've discussed a bit about these things. We'll probably like talk about something, you know, practically what people can take away from this. Sure. So on two things, one is the aspect of uh, uh, spiritual uh, things being just an intellectual high and not being a reality and played out in our life. Sure. And the other thing about how to communicate truths in ways that are understandable by people. Sure. So a couple of things. One, I think, like we talked about, like spiritual maturity, I think there, first and foremost, we need to always have a hard posture of humility. There will never be a point in this life, on this side of eternity, there will be a never a point where we have arrived or where we have become perfectly sanctified, right? All of life is grace, right? Our ability to obey God's commandments or our ability to follow Christ or our ability to, uh, it's not even our ability, it's God's work. Again, remembering that, but even our own disciplines and whatever we may have cultivated, these are all by God's grace, right? Without God working in our hearts, none of these things happen or even have meaning. That's something that we have to remember. Again, I, I think it's good to reiterate, Christianese is, there is good in it, right? Having terminologies and terms which contain these beautiful theological beliefs that we see in scripture, it's beautiful. But again, we should not use that. I think the danger is viewing spiritual maturity just because you can articulate those things, right? I think we should view spiritual maturity through the lens of, are we working out these these beautiful truths into our lives, right? Theology is meant to be lived out. That's why we have scripture. So for example, let's take uh, sanctification, right? It is a it is a word that we see in scripture. We see sanctify, like what does sanctify mean, right? So whenever I've heard, I've always learned this word sanctification from Sunday school, and it's such a beautiful word, right? It's God doing the good work in us to conform us to the image of Christ, right? It is God changing us. So, but, and if I were to talk to a Christian, they would say, hey, God works in us. If you ask me that as well, it's God working in us, right? But sometimes we forget that we're also called to participate in that sanctification as well. It's not something that God magically works that in us, although it is God working in us. God calls us to participate 
and cooperate with the Holy Spirit as He works these things in us, right? Uh, that is why we see in Scripture, walk in step with the Spirit, right? These are things that we see in Scripture. Do you want to turn to Philippians 2, 12 and 13? I don't know if you have that pulled up. Yeah, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Amen. But no, you see in that passage, right? It, talk, it is about sanctification, right? It is God working in us. But at the same time, what's beautiful is that even before God says he's working in us, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? You are saved. You are justified by faith. Again, a lofty term, but you are made right in the sight of God, right? Because of Christ, we are spotless in the sight of God because we have been robed in Christ. When God looks at us, we are perfect because it is Christ who is perfect. But that being said, we are still wretched sinners. We are still broken people. Like you can just look, you can just rewind back your day and you'll see the mess that is our hearts, right? And this is where God says, this is where Paul, uh, inspired by God says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We need that heart posture, right? Embracing Christ, meaning recognizing who God is and therefore having the posture of reverence. That's where the fear and trembling comes in. But again, focus on the words, work out your salvation, that God is asking us to participate in sanctification. But read on, for it is God who works in us, right? That work of sanctification where we actively participate as well, that is entirely encompasses God's work in us, right? It's not divorced. That's God working in us, right? To do what? To will and to work for his good pleasure, right? What is God's good pleasure? It is what his will is. It is what he desires for our lives. And he desires our will and our work to align with his good pleasure. So yeah, that, it is sometimes very easy for us to divorce these theological truths from our life. We disconnect it. But I think one of the things that we can do and even explore in our own hearts is see whether we can connect, cultivate the practice of connecting these beautiful truths into our own lives, work it into our lives. Yeah, perfect. And on the other aspect, maybe I, I can pitch in all that. So how to communicate in a way that uh, people understand? I think one thing that is probably underrated is analogies. Mm. I think analogies matter a lot. And I, what, I think what are analogies? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so analogies are basically uh, maybe small stories or examples or concepts explained. Yeah, like parables ways. that Jesus used yeah. right, to explain yeah. beautiful things. Yeah. So to explain one concept, which is probably abstract, we use another story which the audience might be familiar with. And so in that way, he can connect. So if I'm talking about God's love is great. I can talk about how a mother's love is for her child and how she is going to forego eating herself one night just so her child can have food. And then I can connect it to how the Bible says that even if a mother uh, forsakes her child, God will not forsake his child. So that so now we are translating that phrase of the love and the emotions and the meaning connected with it. So just as we've uh, shown, even in the Bible, there are so many analogies, even like the incident about how Nathan comes and rebukes uh, David about his sin he he explains it with an analogy and so analogies are quite important especially for those who do not understand concepts so think about it from the perspective of someone who hasn't been growing in the christian covenant community like uh, for example so when i i became a christian coming from a hindu background 
I clearly remember the time when I was in church and I didn't understand any song that that whole week. I had to use the index in the Bible to right. find a book in the Bible. So now I take it for granted now, but you know there was a time like that. And so the thing with the analogies is that you need to be conscious about who you're speaking to, what they understand and whether they are on the same page with you. And using uh, stories or illustrations really help to draw out the biblical truths. And maybe as a disclaimer, I'm not saying that preaching should be only storytelling on Sundays. but explaining things you know even in conversations in a way that relates to the scripture i'm not telling to speak devoid of the word of god so that that would be my suggestions on how to communicate a little more effectively and for those who are probably listening and or maybe they are in circles where they are not understanding things i would say please reach out and ask people to explain because people are more than willing to explain and sometimes even if it's for the wrong motive of self glorification uh they i've observed that people are very happy to help you know and share and maybe they get a kick of feeling like they did something good for that day but still like it's a win win for everyone i remember clearly when uh, i think after two or three weeks of attending church for the first time i i messaged one of my classmate who used to attend there too and he gave me a text file of like some 25 songs and uh, he asked me what genre you want and that was the time when i didn't know what that phrase meant uh, so, so he sent me everything from ccm to rap music christian rap music that is awesome <laughs> so yeah mostly like people are happy to help in case you don't understand and if you're on the other side of the table i'd say try to go the extra step to make sure that you are understood right i think along with all that i would emphasize the importance of relationships right we need to do this relationally with people like we need to invite people into our own our own spaces right and it is in these spaces that we do cultivate trust and as well as we understand people and the type of language that they use what backgrounds that they come from what culture and even to that extent what kind of analogies are helpful right uh, without these kind of relationships or these kind of settings where we cultivate trust we won't understand how to communicate perfect Thank you so much Jeffrey for hopping on. It was a pleasure. Take care brother. So what did you think? Did you like the topic? Did we oversimplify things? Are you going to communicate more intentionally from now on? I'd love to hear back from you. Feel free to reach out through the socials mentioned in the show notes. See you soon.